Good morning, everybody. My name is Jordan. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here. Hey, last week, humble brag uh, a little bit. Um, uh, our Renaissance is a church plant, and one of the things we believe is uh, in church planting. We want to see new faith communities, just like Renaissance, happen in Harlem and happen all over the world. And last week, we were able to go to Cape Town, South Africa, to watch a church plant that we kind of helped support uh, get off the ground, and they just had their first worship service last Sunday, and they're off to a great start. So thank you guys for your generosity <laughs> and being a part of that. So you guys are here for a great uh, week. Uh, we're finishing our series called By Faith. And for the last number of weeks, we've looked at faith, what it is, what it isn't, what it looks like, what it smells like, what it feels like, what's authentic, what's real, genuine faith. And today we're looking at probably the most important topic in faith is a faith that doesn't just start well, but a faith that endures. What does it look like for you and me to have a faith that doesn't just start well out the blocks, uh, but as they look at the history of your life, if we were to read your story, as we're going to read the story of Scripture for other people, that you would be somebody who not just started well, but you finished well. Uh, years ago, when I was in college, uh, we had these post-season workouts, and while we were uh, working out as a basketball team, uh, we had to do a one-mile warm-up before we got into the workout. Emphasis on warm-up. Uh, there was one guy on our team, and this was his first time ever coming to a workout, and I don't know uh, if he had ever run a mile before, if he was just trying to show off for the coach or whatever, but as soon as we uh, started, as soon as they blew the whistle, this dude took off. I'm talking about a straight-up sprint around the track, uh, and the, a mile is four laps around the track, and this dude's first lap was like Olympic speed pace. I'm like, yo, either he's in really great shape or he is going to peter out pretty quickly. And we laughed as he was going around the track, and then at first that sprint turned into a run. I was like, all right, he's slowing down a little bit. That run turned into a jog. That jog turned into a walk. And eventually he was there like halfway through with his hands on his knees, and he just, took a, he just sat down and took a nap and came in last place. Now, it's really easy to start well. It's super easy to start well, uh, but it's a much different thing to finish well. Now, the same thing is true with faith. I've met so many people over these years that have started really, really well. I have some good friends, actually, that were once upon a time vibrant and enthusiastic about their relationship with Jesus. And every single time I would go in their room or I'd hop in their car, you know how it is with people who just became Christian. That's all they do is listen to gospel music, right? <laughs> Singing Fred Hammond. I mean, that's... And he started really well. And then life, as it oftentimes does, uh, hit him in a couple places that uh, for him felt like below the belt. And even though his faith started well and he started enthusiastically, he eventually stopped. And now his life is actually much worse than it was ever uh, before. All of the things he was saying about Jesus, all of the things he was saying about faith, it all went away by the wayside. Now, as a pastor at this church, uh, here's a very candid description of what I want for your life and what I want for my life. I don't want me and you to be people who just start well. I want us to finish well. That in the course of your life, the ups, the downs, the mids, everything, the mountain peaks and the valleys and everything in between, I want me and you to have a faith that doesn't just start well, but one that endures to the end, one that endures and one that finishes. Now, if you're new to church, you're actually here uh, for the first time or you're here for the first time in a long time, uh, you're actually here for the best 
uh, part of what's going on in this series, and it's a perfect time for you to be here uh, because you get to hear from the outset of your faith journey what it would look like for you to have a faith that doesn't just start well, but one that endures, one that's real, one that's going to last. Now, I want to read a portion of Scripture um, in Hebrews 11, and um, it's going to be on the screens to your right and to your left. And this is what finishing well looks like. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she, was, she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I don't have to t- tell time. I don't have the time to tell about Gideon, Barak, not Obama, Samson, Jephthah, <laughs> David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and rooted foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. But there were others who were tortured, refusing to be released, that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us, that only together with with us would they be made perfect. Now, these men and women didn't just start well. They finished the race. They lived by faith. Now, it's a big difference between starting well and finishing well. Um, And to start well, uh, all you need is a couple of things. Uh, To start well in your faith journey, all you need is a little curiosity. Um, A lot of us uh, grew up in homes where our parents or grandparents introduced us to faith. And we were always marveling at how grandma, through the ages, uh, was a person of faith. My grandmother, for, um, after she passed away, I got a copy of her Bible, and I get to read uh, her faith journey. And it's so amazing to see uh, her notes and hi- her highlights and, and all of the things uh, that formed her as a person of faith. And grandma's faith is amazing. It's very intriguing to me. But curiosity about Jesus is not enough to carry you once your imagination has been zapped or, or once it's no longer something that um, is benefiting you in your daily walk. All you need to start is a little curiosity, and that's a good place for a lot of people. Uh, Your friend invited you here, or this is where you're at right now, and curiosity will get you to a certain point. It'll help you start, but it won't help you finish. Maybe it's a a good setup. Now, this is very true for a lot of people who uh, start a new job, or you move to a new city, or you get into a new relationship. Mostly, a lot of times you hear people started a new job, they moved to a new city, they got into this new relationship because it was a good setup for them, right? They, the, the city, this city, New York City, is the place that they can fulfill all their dreams. But a good setup is good to start, but it won't carry you. Because once it becomes inconvenient, once your rent goes up a little bit and your landlord charges, raises you up $600 a month, or uh, once you're so frustrated that the grocery stores don't have, like, really basic stuff, like, why don't you have paprika, bro? Like, come on. 
once the city becomes a little inconvenient and you start looking at the rent prices in North Carolina, you're like, yo, why am I still here? <laughs> a good setup will start you. But once it becomes inconvenient, it won't be enough to carry you through. For a lot of people, and certainly I've had seasons like this in my own life, uh, Christianity was the formula I was plugging into my calculator, my spiritual calculator, on how I can get God to do good things for me. And it was like, I'm going to mix in a little bit of prayer. I'm going to do 5 a.m. prayer. You know God loves that 5 a.m. prayer. <laughs> and then I'm going to go to church. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to give some money. I'm going to serve, and I'm going to punch all of these numbers in the calculator, and God now has to hook me up. Now, that's a really, really poor way to go about faith because when God doesn't hook you up, when uh, the formula doesn't add up in the way that you thought it was going to add up, when your life is doing worse than other people who don't have the same faith as you or who aren't trying to live the same way as you, you're going to throw it away as inconvenient. Now, the third one is probably my favorite. Um, to start well, all you need is an emotional experience. Now, I love a good worship service as much as the next man. Um, I, I love good singing. I love good preaching. I love hearing the congregation sing. It's something that is amazing. But um, when I was early in my Christian walk, uh, actually, I thought that uh, my walk with God and living by faith was all about going to church and feeling good. And if I can get one of those Sundays where, like, the worship was on point and it felt like the Holy Spirit was heel-toeing on stage... <laughs> It was like, yo, I had tears in my eyes, snot bubbles coming out my nose. I'm like, yo, God was there today, yo. Jesus was in the building. And what a lot of people think living by faith is, is actually just a series of emotional encounters. And when the choir ain't on point, or where the worship team doesn't sing your song, or where the sermon doesn't tickle your fancy and it doesn't answer what's going on in your life, uh, you're going to be disappointed. And if you have enough breaks in the emotional highs, uh, it's gonna, it's gonna, faith is going to fail you. Now, as much as I love an emo a good emotional experience, and I do believe that God does meet us in the worship service, I do believe that God forms us and, and makes us trust in him more when we're here and we're around people and we're singing songs and we're hearing uh, applicable scripture. Uh, an emotional encounter, an emotional experience is not living by faith. One day, life is going to hand you something that no song is able to dig you out of, then what? Now, I've had so many things in my life, so many things that I've started because of some emotional experience that I have dropped like a bad habit. Uh, a couple years ago, I was telling my wife and everybody else that I'm going on a raw vegan diet <laughs> for a month. Like, no cooked foods, just veggies for a month straight. Um, I had had a conversation with a friend who was telling me all about the benefits of this raw vegan diet that they did, and they were like, yo, I lost mad weight, like I had a six-pack, I ain't have to put no lotion on my feet, my skin was just <laughs> pure. It was like, I ain't even have ash, it was just amazing. My body healed itself. I was like, yo, this is, this is incredible. <laughs> Ten minutes at, into that conversation, I'm like, that's it. I'm going to do, do a raw vegan diet. I got to get there. Now I was telling my wife, she was like, well, maybe this do like, maybe go like vegetarian and like go vegetarian for like a week and then see how you like it, ease your way in. I'm like, nope, raw vegan, one month. Don't hold me back. My one month raw vegan diet lasted like 12 hours. 
And somehow, I don't know how it happened, I found myself in Chipotle ordering a burrito bowl. I got brown rice, though, so that makes up for it. Hey, apparently, in order to do something that's life-altering, you actually have to prepare. You got to go shopping. You have to uh, talk to people. You have to have a plan in place. You have to have barriers in place to keep you locked into what you said you were going to do. Not just making some random assertion that you're never going to stick to. Now, for a lot of us, living by faith is kind of like what I did with my raw vegan diet. Uh, We're relying on emotional experiences to carry us from one chapter to another. And once the emotions die down, uh, everything goes away. Now, what does it look like to live by faith, and it looks like we are living a life of preparation, that we are prepared for the things that are going to happen to us. We're prepared, uh, fully prepared to know what to expect along the journey. Because hear this, if you set out to live a journey by faith and you don't know what should be happening or what shouldn't be happening, uh, you have, you're running the risk of misinterpreting God in your life. You're misinterpreting what God is actually doing in your life and thinking that something is broken or not working correctly. Now, nobody shows up for a marathon uh, just on the day of and just says, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to run it. (laughs) Like, I haven't run in a year. I've been eating flaming Hot Cheetos sitting on the couch. But yeah, yeah, why not? I'll I'll, I'll run a marathon. They would start, but they would never finish. Now, most people who run um, will tell you that even the race is not even the hardest part. The hardest part is all of the preparation. The hardest part is all of the hours and hours and hours of training and going out in the cold, uh, and getting up at times when you don't want to get up. The preparation is actually the thing that sets you up to run the race well. Now, the author of Hebrews, and here's what I imagine why they wrote this text to us in Hebrews 11. They wrote Hebrews 11 to prepare me and you for what a life of faith looks like. That we would read this and we would be prepared. We would know what to expect. We wouldn't be caught off guard when things happen one way or another. And we see uh, the first couple of verses that we read today um, written for us to be prepared to know what to expect along this journey of faith. Starting with verse 29, it says, By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Now, the first group of people we see are the children of Israel, and this is what they had to live through, and this is what I think the author of Hebrews has written to us to encourage us, to prepare us. This is what they had to face, ridiculous amounts of delays. Now, the children of Israel, before they passed through the Red Sea as it was on dry land, they were in slavery to Egypt for 400 years. And for 400 years, they cried out to God over and over and over and over and over again, and eventually... God heard their cries. Now, here's what I think the author wants you to get. Here's what I think what the author wants you to be prepared for, that sometimes in your life, there are delays that feel like God is nowhere near you. But this is normal in the life of living by faith. We see this right here in the text, that these people stuck with it. They didn't let go of God because God uh, was taking his sweet old time in their opinion. They didn't give up the faith because God hadn't come through for them yet. They stayed, and as a result, they were able to witness God's miraculous power in their lives. They didn't give up when it got tough. They didn't give up when there were delays. They stuck to it. 
The second group of people that we see is a guy named Joshua, and you guys might have heard the story of Joshua in the Battle of Jericho, if you've gone to Sunday school or vacation Bible school one day. Uh, and Joshua, uh, in the Battle of Jericho, they were commanded to walk around the city of Jericho uh, for seven days, and they had to be thinking, like, God, you know, this plan doesn't really sound too amazing. Like, I, I get it. Like, if, I don't know what your strategy is intended to do, but, like, we're just basically sitting ducks for seven days. And the Bible says that by faith, because of their obedience, they were able to watch the walls of Jericho fall. Now, sometimes it's delays. Sometimes it's uncertainty, not being sure of what God is doing in your life. And these people lived by faith, meaning that they were obedient to God, what God was calling them to do, even though they didn't understand fully what God was trying to get done through them. And even though the plans might not have sounded too well in their ears. The third person we see in this text is Rahab. Uh, And Rahab is the least expected person to be mentioned in the hall of faith. That when you read her life, which was very shaky in the first part of it, uh, that she would ever be a person that would make it to the hall of faith in Hebrews 11. This is what this tells us, that Rahab risked her life because she believed that God, what God was doing was righteous in their lives, in the lives of the of children of Israel. She risked her lives to hide the spies with Joshua. And as a result, the Bible says that she was spared because of her obedience. Now, sometimes it's ridiculous delays. Sometimes it is um, uncertainty about what God is doing in your life. Other times, it's fear about what God has called you to do, what God has called you to leave, what God has called you to go to. Uh, And if this is what's going on in your life, this is what we're being prepared for. This is normal. This is good. Keep the faith. If there's a situation in your life that feels like it's a ridiculous delay, then let's be prepared. This is how God operates in the lives of his people. This is normal. This is good. These people were commended for their faith. If you feel like there's a lot of uncertainty in your, going, in your life right now, this is normal. This is good. This is what it looks like to live by faith. Nothing is broken. Now, most of what we uh, need to get out of our preparation is just really good expectations of what to expect along the way. And here's what I've seen so many times in people's lives, uh, that they just weren't expecting uh, God to do one thing or to not do one thing in their lives, and it crushed them. Now, I've seen this personally um, in hospitals. I've had family members who have had major surgeries, and we were uh, at Columbia for uh, a loved one who had a a major heart surgery. And uh, when you're in a waiting room for people who've had these major surgeries, what you see happen is these surgical nurses come out to prepare people for what they're going to see when they get in to see their loved one, right? So they don't just say, oh, you know, so-and-so is ready for you to go see him. Go in there and see him. They prepare you. They say, listen, when you get in there, her eyes might be like rolled to the back of her head. She might be talking in gibberish. You're going to see like tubes running all out of their body. There's going to be machines beeping all over the place. And that's cool because it's normal, right? Now, when you get in there, one of two things is going to happen. One, you'll see the person and you'll say, actually, it's not as bad as I thought it was. You know, they're able to hold a conversation and it won't uh, make you fearful. It won't make you freak out when you see them with the machines beeping and you see tubes running out of their body and you see their skin looking all pale. Or you'll go and you'll see and say, hey, it is bad, but this is normal and this is good, so I don't have to lose it. Now, for a lot of us, uh, when we encounter periods of uncertainty, when we encounter periods uh, of delay or, or fear in our lives, we think something is broken and we think something is off. And Hebrews 11 is here for us to show us that sometimes God allows these things to happen in the life of people who live by faith and God 
commends them for their faith in walking in these periods despite what is going on. Nothing is broken. Nothing is off. This is what it looks like to live by faith. And if you and I would finish well, we need to be prepared for what a, what, what a life of faith actually looks like. Now, as the scripture goes on in Hebrews 11, it lists a number of people that uh, got to see God show up in miraculous ways in their lives because they held on. Uh, and in verse 35, in, there's a break in the scripture. Uh, it, it changes the tone of, of scripture, um, and it says there were others. So there's one group of people who were triumphant, and because of their faith in God, the mouths of lions were shut, and fires were quenched, and women received back their dead. But then it says there were others who were tortured refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Um, uh, some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Now, I wanted to read that last part of the scripture out loud again, um, even though our modern ears cringe at the thought of God not showing up in our lives the way we want him to. But to see, for us to see, to be prepared by looking at these men and women who lived by faith and were commended for their faith. And here's another reason I think the author of Hebrews includes these people, to let us know that God has not forgotten about them. Even though the world might have forgotten about them, God has not forgotten about them. In all of their sacrifices, in all the things they went through, God remembers their name and God remembers their story. And here's what's true for you if you're in the there were others category. God has not forgotten about you. Nothing is wrong. Nothing is broken. God is not angry at you. God is not using this situation to punish you uh, because, you know, um, you, you didn't show up to church at, uh, um, you know, a minute before service started. If this is happening in your life, if you're experiencing one of these there were others moments, this is what happens to some people in a life of faith. And if you're not prepared for that, when these things come to you and you're expecting that God is all about triumph and God is all about giving me the desires of my heart and God is all about this and then this is going to happen every single time, you're going to be severely disappointed sometimes. And you're going to think that God is broken or this living by faith thing ain't all what it's cracked up to be. And I want to say this very gently. Um, a lot of what we think is living by faith in God isn't really faith in God at all. It's faith in an agenda that we have for God. We have an agenda for what we want God to do. We have an agenda of things that we want God to do. And sometimes in our lives, uh, sometimes the family situation doesn't reconcile itself. Sometimes there are loved ones who have a terminal illness who do not get healed. Sometimes the startup that you put all your money into fails and is never going to be recovered. Sometimes the family doesn't heal itself. Some of us might not have the family of our dreams that we've always dreamed of having. And if that's you, if that's you right now or in the future, 
will you and I be able to live by faith? Now, we've described faith as confidence in the character of God, not confidence in our agenda, not confidence in what we think should happen, not confidence in what we want to happen. And again, I really want to stress how important it is for us to pray for God to do all these things in our lives, because God does hear us and God does show up. But there are some times that your life and my life would fall into the there were others category. And when it does, you don't have to give up living by faith. When, you're, when life hands you that stinging um, reality of, of living in that um, tension between what you wanted God to do and what actually is going on in your life, you and I could still live by faith. We could still live with confidence in the character of God, but we won't do that unless we're actually prepared, unless we're prepared to know that, God, if this is going on in my life, you haven't forgotten about me. You haven't, uh, disc- you haven't discarded me because you remember these people's stories, and I'm reading, uh, I'm reading their stories in Scripture, God. You remember them, and you're going to remember me. One of the things that I've wrestled with in my own life, in my own dark night of the soul, was wondering whether or not God had it out for me, or whether or not God was just completely forgotten about me because uh, things weren't going anywhere near the way I thought I, I wanted them to go. And I'm reminded when I see... Um, these characters in Scripture, when I make friends with people in Scripture, I'm like, God, if you did it in their life and yet you commended them for their faith, I can still hold on. Now, this is why Christianity uh, says that the goal of Christianity is that you and I get God. So whether it's triumph or whether it's sadness, the goal of Christianity is not that you get God to answer one prayer or another. The goal of Christianity is not that God would let you shine in front of your haters. The goal of Christianity is that you get God. And that Jesus went to the cross to bridge the gap between you and God. And these people lived by faith because of the outcome of their faith. It says they were looking forward to a better resurrection. Their hope wasn't in specifically that they had to have these things lined up. But their hope and their faith was in the confidence and the character of God that in the end of it, they were going to get God. This is why you and I need to set our sights not on what's going on around us, but we need to set our sights on the goal of our faith that you and I would get God. Now, being prepared is something that you and I could never um, overstate how important it is. Now, in verse, chapter 12, verse 1, uh, it shows us a little bit uh, about what it looks like to actually apply this to our lives in a little bit more detail. It says, uh, therefore, after it lists all of these people and all they've done, it says, therefore, since we are surrounded By such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Now, here's how you and I uh, need to prepare and need to focus on. Scripture says that you and I are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, Uh, and actually, as this is written in the Greek, it's a word called nephos, which means it's like a stadium. And this is what the author is painting the picture, that these men and women who suffered, these men and women who triumphed, they are in the stadium watching you in the middle of the floor, and they're cheering you on. And we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. These men and women didn't give up faith when things were difficult. They didn't give up um, faith and confidence in the character of God when things weren't going their way. They kept the faith. They lived by faith. And the author of Hebrews tells us, listen, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, these men and women who lived and died and sometimes died in, in terrible ways. 
And because they endured, listen, they endured and so can you and I. Tim Keller wrote a, a quote that has stuck with me uh, for the last number of days. Uh, he said, hey, just because you can't imagine a good reason God would allow something doesn't mean there isn't one. Just because you can't imagine a good reason that God would allow something in your life, it doesn't mean that there isn't a good reason in our lives. And sometimes God does unthinkable things or God allows unthinkable things in our life. And I don't want to minimize how painful these things may or may not be. But you and I, despite all that, can live by faith. Now, the second thing uh, that we see about living uh, by faith, the first is preparation, and the second is getting rid of extra baggage. And this point is a whole lot shorter, so don't worry about that. Um, In Hebrews 12 and 2, it tells us to let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Uh, We need to be prepared, but secondly, we need to throw off stuff that gets in our way. Now, I was reading this actually in my CBR the other day when I was uh, community Bible reading, uh, and it was a bunch of people who came to Jesus, and they said, Jesus, I want to follow you, but first, let me do this, and let me do this, and let me do this. And Jesus said, hey, man, let the dead bury the dead. Uh, And he tells them, whoever wants to be my disciple has to get rid of, forsake everything that he has, and come and follow me. Another thing that really trips a lot of people out and really hinders people from running well is when you and I come to God with something in our hand saying, God, I'll follow you, but I'm not going to let this go. This is my thing. This is, un- this is I'm not going to debate this. This is me. I'm doing this. I'm not going to do this. And this is what you come to Jesus. Uh, and this is something that will entangle you. It will trip you up on your race of faith. In order for me and you to have a faith that endures, you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have great theological understanding of every single concept in the Bible, but you do need to understand this. Everybody has to come to Jesus empty-handed. And if we're coming to God with preconditions of what we do or what we won't do, uh, that's going to be something that holds us up from from living a life by faith, one that actually endures to the end. Because once Jesus calls you against the thing that you're holding on to, or once he calls you to do something that you never wanted to do, you're going to say, hey, I'm out. I told you from the beginning I wasn't going to do this. And that's not living by faith. So Hebrews tells us to get rid of everything that hinders us and the sin in our life that so easily entangles us. Now, the last thing that we need in order to live a life of faith that not just starts well, but one that endures well, is a new focus. So we need preparation. We need to get rid of extra baggage. But we also need a brand new focus. And for the last couple of days, I've been thinking about, man, how do, how do we tell people how to... Uh, really focus on Jesus. It sounds really spiritual. It sounds really good to fix our eyes on Jesus. And I started doing some research on what it's saying. And essentially, uh, the word in Greek is actually a negative term, and it really means to look away to Jesus. So really what the author is saying is to look away from what's going on in your life and look towards Jesus. Now, the best example I know of this is when a little kid goes to get a shot at the doctor's office. And when they go in there and the doctor pulls out the needle and tries to hide it behind their back, uh, what most kids do is they look in their parents' eyes for strength. They look away from the needle and they look to their parents because they know their parents love them and they know their parents wouldn't allow um, something something really bad to happen to them. Now, sometimes life is going to pierce you. 
in one way or another. And Scripture tells us to look away and to look toward Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning a shame, and is now set down at the right hand of the Father. And here's what we know about Jesus for enduring the cross. And I love the choice of words that is being used here. It says, who for the joy that was set down before him. Listen, Jesus went to the cross because of the joy that was set before him, not because of the obligation. When God thinks about you, he thinks about you in terms of joy. My wife and I spent a week away from my son last week when we were in Cape Town. And for about the last 10 hours on that flight home, only thing I kept on thinking about was the joy of the reunification. And we had an option. We can go home and wait a couple more hours to see him, or we can go straight to him and take Ubers all over the place. And I was like, no, no, no. As soon as we get off this plane, we're going directly to see him because he was the joy that was set before me. When God thinks of you, it's not an obligation. It's the joy that was set before him. Jesus went to the cross to die for you, it was, and it wasn't the nails that held him up on the cross. It was his love for me, and it was love for you. Now, this is the one that Scripture tells us to look away to, that all of these things in your life, they are real, they are current, they could be painful, they could be exciting, whatever it is, look away from those things and look toward Jesus. Now, I've wondered how do we actually do that in our daily life, and Uh, The the spiritual disciplines have been a part of Christian rhythms for millennia, for thousands of years. Men and women have every single day woken up and read Scripture and prayed, and these things have been the ways that they've looked toward Jesus. And we've beat this drum a number of times, and I'm just going to beat it again today. Uh, One of the reasons that we encourage everybody to do the community Bible reading is not because we want to sell a $10 journal. We'll give it to you for free. We want people to every single day be engaged with God. We want you to engage in Scripture in such a way that you would see the beauty of what God has done for you in Jesus Christ. You would experience the gospel daily, and when those times come, when life hands you that needle, you can look away toward Jesus. Now, after service, there'll be people uh, able to explain to you what CBR or community Bible reading is, and would love to get you set up, Um, but we don't know really any other way that you can consistently uh, be in a rhythm where you are looking toward Jesus other than uh, being engaged in daily and very doable uh, scripture reading. Let us now uh, look to Jesus in prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, you know everybody in this room. You know those of us who need to hold on through delay or uncertainty or fear. God, and you know what the outcome will be, that we will be rejoicing in what you have done in our lives. God, help us to live by faith. God, for those of us who are living in those other moments where life has handed us something, a pill so bitter that we don't feel like we can swallow it, God, help us to hold on and live by faith. Help us to know that you are with us, you haven't left us, and you commend us for our faith. Help us to look towards you in good and bad times, in ups and downs, in every season. Lord, keep our eyes fixed on the cross. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.